like the real deal now. Ooh. Gonna kick this sorry ass out on the street. Oh, thanks for having me, Robert. I appreciate it. And I, I mean, I prefer to think of myself as a co-host of the What a Maneuver Wrestling podcast. Yeah. But uh, yeah, um, yeah, it's really it's great to be back. It's been uh, like a little bit over a year since we last uh, recorded together. So yeah, it was this um, bit of podcast. Did a couple more, and then just work kind of just like piled in and all that stuff. So going to do a podcast for like six like six months. And yeah. um, for, for this WrestleMania, we decided um, to do a mini-series on the Walk and Austin matches for WrestleMania 15, 17, and 19. So obviously the first part for which we talk about the WrestleMania 15 match. And this is part of one of the longest storylines that we've had in modern time, which is the Austin and McMahon feud, which has gone on pretty much since Warrior Woman 98. It's kind of Kind of get to like the beginnings of it, and at this point, um, don't know about you, but it to me it seems to be like approaching the final lap of that feud, and probably little, might be getting a little bit tired of it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like <clears throat> I feel like a lot of storylines in the '90s sort of went a bit long in the tooth, and this was one of them. Like, yeah, I mean, I agree. I think I'm I feel like by WrestleMania 15, the fatigue is setting in, but they don't really stop the storyline until uh, WrestleMania 17. Yeah, I mean, I think um, just jump ahead. Obviously, um, it did kind of end at fully loaded 1990. Had the first Blood Edge of an Era match, right? Uh, and also won that. Uh, and McMahon was never to return to WWE TV again, which lasted six weeks. I was going to say, it didn't last very long, though. No, because pretty much, like, literally about two months of that, he was WWE champion. So, mm-hmm. uh, so it's one of those things. Um, so, obviously, I'm not going to talk about the last year of this feud, but it was off, say, WrestleMania, uh, sorry, Warrior Woman 99. Um, Shawn Michaels was commissioned at that time. Um, with Shawn Michaels' commission, he seemed to just, like, pop in when the storyline demands it. Um, he, would, he came in and... As part of this feud, he made Austin go number one and Vince McMahon go number two. Um, at the end of it, even though like Austin gets uh, like sneak attacked and toilets, he goes to hospital for like an hour, comes back, and then like Vince McMahon um, goes on commentary. But no, they never been eliminated. But they end up so they end up being the last two. Vince wins uh, thanks to some interference from The Rock, and um, but obviously he's like going, well, you know, I'm the owner, I'm going to give up my my spot, and then um, at this point, I think Sean tells him he can't. He can't just yeah, give up it. the spot, yeah. and so they end up having a cage match at the Saint Valentine's Day Massacre, which was the February pay per view that year. Yeah, uh, sorry, Saint Valentine's Day Massacre in your house, um, 
and I'm glad there wasn't actually a St. Valentine's Day massacre in my house. Um, yeah. But um, that was that was actually a, a a pretty big event in that it was the debut of the Big Show in yeah. WWE. He he rips up out from under the ring in the cage match that Vince and and Austin had for the the shot at WrestleMania, and he throws Austin through the wall of the cage. Which, of course, is a major backfire because then Austin's feet touch the ground first and he wins the match. Yeah. Um, and so that leads to him getting the title shot at Wrestle, which everybody knew. Like, there was no way they were going to go with uh, yeah. McMahon versus Rock or something else like that. Um, so I think everybody kind of knew going in. At least that's how I remember it. I was, you know, 16 or whatever at the time. Yeah. And I, I think I recall feeling like it's definitely, they're going to find a way for it to definitely be Austin and Rock at WrestleMania, but. You know how we get there is um, going to be the thing. So, so yeah. So, so then the thing that that was messing with me when I watched this match is that at some point it gets made a no DQ, and yeah, I don't we'll, know where that happened. Yeah, I'll um, yeah I'll get to that because I think one of my notes says make up your mind is it no DQ on is it DQ, mm. is it is it normal rules or not? Right. Um, yeah, I think with so that's how that happens. Uh, with The Rock, he becomes um, champion for the first time at Survivor Series 99, uh, becomes the corporate champion, and he has a feud with uh, Mick Foley, so the same titles a few times, and at that set of day massacre, people viewed have a last man standing match that ends in a draw, and then the next day, they have a ladder match to determine for the championship, and Big Show stops Mankind winning. So what? Like retains, and then we go to that way. Um, mm-hmm. What's your opinion of the corporate champion Rock? Because I think I love Rock as a heel, but I think with the corporate champion, part of me kind uh, of bothered me that he would like still care about the fans because like the millions of fans. I'm like, you're the corporate champion, you shouldn't care. Yeah, I mean, I think that in a lot of cases he. I mean, I can sort of see some of that stuff that he's, but he didn't really care. I mean, sometimes he would tell him to shut up and this yeah. isn't sing along with the champ and that stuff. But, um, I, I liked corporate champion rock. Part of, part of me liked it and part of me didn't like it. And part of that, um, stems from this whole thing where, I get that the McMahon Austin feud was a big deal and it did a lot of business. And I think in a lot of ways it's perceived as what turned the WWE's fortunes around. But there's this thing where it's like, it's not really about the rock. It's about the rock as a proxy for Vince McMahon. And that like, and, and I feel like that takes away from rock. Now that being said, he was still an amazing heel who was super over as a heel and he had amazing matches. So it's hard to complain about too much. Um, I just, that's the only thing that I think is kind of weird. And then that sort of culminates like that sort of hits. It's uh, it's either apex or nadir, depending on your point of view at WrestleMania 16, where it's, well, I guess not really. It probably hits its nadir during the invasion, yeah. But it's the same thing. It's it's that symptom of like it's always about the McMahon somehow, and I yeah. just wish sometimes they would step the hell out of the way, and just like just let the wrestlers do the thing. And that's the thing I was going to say about Sean. You mentioned you know Sean only popped up when it was like when the storyline necessitated him stepping up. Yeah, and I sort of like the idea the the Jack Tunney 
Gorilla Monsoon, Shawn Michaels model of like the authority figure does not have to be on TV every week. The authority yeah. figure does not have to be involved in everything. The authority figure can come and go as the story dictates it. And we can just sort of like let the let the storylines play out without this constant need for an authority figure hanging over uh, everything. And now it's like on Raw and SmackDown. Now there are two authority figures on both shows and it's just like, you know, um, so yeah, WrestleMania 16, you get a McMahon in every corner. The invasion has the McMahons and, uh, you know, the McMahon children versus Vince and like all that. And it turns into this thing where it overshadows and it's like, it's about this family drama with the McMahons. And like, I think I speak for a lot of wrestling fans when I say nobody cares. Yeah. <laughs> like beyond the McMahon hates Austin feud that, that like we said, is sort of running its course by the time we get to this point. Nobody really cares. Like, nobody cares. Stop doing that stuff. Yeah, I think I agree. I mean, um, I think what we have now, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't really watch Raw. And I kind of see the first SmackDown. But I know this year we're going to have, like, Shane McMahon versus AJ Styles. And I'm, I'm kind of torn with that. I'm like, I don't, I'm very sure why you put AJ Styles. AJ Styles has been the most, the best wrestler in that company for the last year and he's going to be this year in the Wrestlemania feud with him. I, mean, I, I, like, I like Shane McMahon uh, but he's, he's a guy who's you know, not a, he's not a regular wrestler so it's a bit weird to me but right. well also Shane's style is basically to just get pummeled kill, right? Yeah. and like AJ's style is not to kill people in the way that even someone like Steve Blackman you know, there's the infamous fall off the Titan yeah. Tron, right? Like Steve Blackman, you know, he had the martial arts guy gimmick, but he was also a hardcore champion. And yeah. he had the, like AJ Styles is the thing about AJ Styles is that he is this technical master and, and, and he talks a great game and he backs it up with his technical ability and he does things that other people can't do. And I guess there was an element of that with Kurt Angle. Yeah. Um, but there was also Kurt Angle had this mean streak, this down and dirty, you know, way that he could go. And I feel like AJ, even as a heel has never, it's never been that way. I mean, AJ is no. not going to suplex Shane through a plate glass window. He's not going to throw him off the Titan Tron. He's not going to do all that stuff that, that those other guys, Shane has feuded. even undertaker. Who's, I mean, undertaker is, um, not known as a technical master. Of course. I mean, Michael Cole likes to constantly remind us that he's the best pure striker in WWE. Um, but the undertaker is a brawler at heart, right. And always has been. Um, and so the idea that he just is going to pummel the hell out of Shane McMahon is totally believable, especially in a cell, but to be like AJ styles, it's like you're putting uh, a, still a relatively young, very athletic, very talented, guy in there with a you know 50 year old non-wrestler yeah and like what do we think is going to be the product of that like i don't know i just don't see i mean i i'm definitely willing to give it a chance and if it's good i will definitely admit when it's good but i don't feel like that i feel like it would be a better fit to put him in there like put shane in there with braun Strowman or baron corbin but both guys that i'm not very high on but like at least if you want Shane to do the thing where Shane just gets beat up and thrown through tables yeah. and hit with chairs and tossed around. Do it with one of those guys. Don't yeah. do not do it with AJ. Yeah, that's true. Um, I want to say enough, this is uh, Shane's debut. Where's my physician Shane's debut as a wrestler? 
So he faces F Park for the um, European Championship and wins kind of mm, yes. to, uh, Triple H's heel turn. Um, quick aside about the match, I mean, the match, I think, to be fair with this WrestleMania, it's not a great WrestleMania. Yeah, WrestleMania 15 is kind of a clunker. And, yeah. and Xbox, when X Pac versus Shane is one of the best matches on the card, like, I think you know you've got a problem. Yeah, I think mean, my favorite <laughs> bit of it is when um, he leapfrogs X Pac and he, he stops to celebrate. And then it turns around and Xbox just kicks him in the face. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, with this storyline, there's like a normal storyline kind of involved as well, never involved mankind. Um, Vince McMahon had this big conspiracy to appoint the big show as a referee for the main event. Um, that kind of started to fall apart for various reasons, and mankind kind of going, oh, I'll, I'll referee, I'll referee. And he had to face Undertaker at some point in one, he faced Stone Cold, and somehow won that. Um, so it got to the point where a match is booked for that night, and the winner of that will officiate the main event. So that's how we start. So early night in the WrestleMania, um, they have a fight uh, to be the referee. Um, show, even though it's a normal match, probably be a great idea to choke some mankind through two tables. Uh, no, through two, two chairs, sorry. Two chairs, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the referee's going, that's stupid, I've got to disqualify you. Um... Vince comes out to say, no, what the fuck? Um, and he gets punched by uh, show. Uh, so pretty much you have Mankind and the stretcher um, coming out and uh, going out. So you think, well, he's gone. And obviously Vince gets Big Show arrested. Okay, there's no referee now. So a bit later on, Vince goes, I'll referee it. So, um, so we got, so that's the reverse tool. At the minute, we've got Vince as the referee. Um, when the, before the match even begins, we get to the main event, we have a few substitutions. Uh, first of all, um, Michael Cole has been ref, who's been commentating uh, for the last past few months since uh, J.R. had his Bell Palsy attack, has been commentating like 99% of WrestleMania, uh, gets replaced with Jim Ross for this, and then uh, Vince comes out as the referee, and then, um, as I was just earlier, uh, Commissioner Shawn Michael makes his appearance, and... Um, Pretty much, yeah, so thanks to the um, WWE rulebook, which, once again, we have rules for the convenience of storytelling. Um, only the commissioner can appoint referees at WrestleMania, so Vince is out, and it'll be the referee, Mike Chioda. Um Spoiler alert, Mike Chioda does not end up as a referee in this match. <laughs> Good. Back, well, he, he, is the, he is the ref for a yeah. little while yeah, until... That's actually one of the things about this match that I really don't like, is yeah. I think there's like four ref bumps in this match. Yeah, kind of, yeah, one, two, three, yeah, um... Three or four. Yeah, three or four. Well, I made it open, so... Okay. <laughs> right. Um, great, so... Uh, and and he also says that the corporation is barred from ringside, which yeah, is that's important. Yeah, he, he said, he kind of says, well, I'll let, let Vince come, I'll let you come down, Vince, but everyone else is barred from ringside. Um, so, yeah, and then, obviously, he spent, like, 20 minutes, um, with it. And Sonic the Hedgehog comes down to the ring yeah, sorry, for some that's reason. Test, that's a test message on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, <laughs> yeah, so, um, so, we've got Rock come out and Austin comes out as well after that. And one thing I like about this is, uh, you know, when Austin does this, so like, goes to each turn, book up, and raises um, his fist up. Like, man, uh, the Rock is standing in his way the whole time, trying to, like, no, go. You know, I don't know what it is. I kind of like just saying I'm not afraid of you, kind of thing. Um, Austin does do his four twenty. Gets to two and gets into like a shot the match with the walk, and then the stop punching show to start the match. Um, 
So they actually, they, they actually, I forgot in that era match, especially in the main event, how much they spend time outside the ring and in the crowd. So oh my god. I think they spend probably at least a good third of this match not in the ring. I was going to say half, but yeah, yeah mean, at least a third. Yeah, at least a third. Yeah. So, um, like, Dashing goes outside and, um, and then inside. And then the inside for like two seconds. And then um, Austin. Yeah, and they go out. back outside. Yeah. yeah. And then they find the crowd for years. Um, what, the, earlier, what starts chucking Austin with cables? And JR mentions, it's no DQ. And I'm like, is it? Because I didn't hear Fink say that. Right, um, and then, but Mike Yoda counts the yeah. choke anyway. Because, yeah, that's the thing, like, later on, Austin does the same thing, and the referee's counting, I'm like, and JS can say it all the time, it's no DQ, and I'm right. sure... And, and, and the thing that's more confusing about that is that he doesn't count the count out, so it's like... Yeah. It, but at this point, it seemed like, I remember, I actually wanted to mention this, because I remember that at this point, there was they never did countouts during world title matches. They no. didn't announce the matches as no countout. They just wouldn't ever do it. And it got to the point where in the video games, when you did a title match, the countout was turned off. Yeah. In the video games of that era. Yeah. yeah. So um so the fight near the stage. Um the brutal bit because this is in Philadelphia, so is that the Phillies stadium, isn't it? That's ice hockey stadium. Uh no no. the Phillies Play uh, the so Phillies are a baseball team, so it would be a yeah the Flyers, yeah, the, the Flyers. or uh, sorry the seventy uh, sixers wouldn't it be no, the, uh, Philadelphia seventy sixers basketball team yeah, yeah or the Flyers the the Flyers are the hockey team so yeah. yes well, the fly or the Flyers and the seventy sixers arena the, yeah. this was in the uh, the uh, uh, not the igloo that's in Pittsburgh uh, Philadelphia I forgot what it was called yeah I can't remember it was called the Spectrum either. at some point but yeah. I, I think it was called something else by the yeah, by the time so, this... yeah I can't remember either but I, I knew it was like and then so far I came, I came again the flies and the fleas mixed up uh, but all that stuff so pretty much you've got pretty much I know that it's like well, you've got the ice underneath it and all yeah. that stuff it's, it's hard. yeah yeah in fact JR says something about um Oh, it's con. It's a concrete floor, and then Austin takes a backdrop, and you can hear the hollow, like the yeah. plywood they put over the over the ice, like make a noise. Yeah, because like, Texas on the floor at some point. Yeah, that's suplex. That's right. It's yeah. the, he blocks suplex and reverses yeah. it. And I'm like, that's not con- concrete. Doesn't make that sound, yeah. Jr. I know. So then they go onto the uh, announce table, and then walk like spits. You know, the thing with drinks water spits into Austin's face, which is probably one of the biggest dick moves you can do. Mm-hmm. Um, they then fight on the um, Spanish announce table and block. Oh, sorry, Austin. The couple on his second attempt managed to probably do this like the weakest elbow ever to um, elbow walk through it. <laughs> it just, right, it's and just goes in the barrier and kind of just flops onto it. Yeah, elbow, and uh, it doesn't break, so he has to do it, do again. it again. Yeah, um, and then go inside and the back outside, and then that goes inside, and then well, you no, know, in the TV version you see. It got cut to a replay because something happened, and then literally as soon as the replay comes back to like normal, you see what just hit the what bottom out of nowhere. Um, but that only gets two. Um, what decided to grab a chair and goes to use it, but Austin drops it instead, 
and pretty much creams Mike Kyoto with it. So that's our first Red Bull <laughs> Right. Um, so so I want to say something about that rock bottom. Yeah. So now WWE, one of the things, anybody who follows me on Twitter, um, which includes you, I'm sure, yeah. knows that um, whenever there is, like the WWE style now is to kick out of like, like finishers on pay-per-view events, finishers mean nothing. Yeah. And it drives me absolutely batty that. Yeah, that roughly has not that way as well. Yeah, and this one, this is actually meaningful, and I think that Rock kind of screwed up by going for So Rock is still kind of green at this point. He's yeah. only been in WWE for like a year and a half uh, at this point. Or, uh, wait, Survivor Series 96, yeah. so about two and a half years. So uh, a little less than two and a half years, um, and he didn't have a lot of indie experience before that. So he, he hits the Rock bottom and goes for the cover immediately yeah. instead of giving it a second. He could have gone to the people and given it a second. But either way, so Stone Cold kicks out and JR immediately hits on how important that is. And he and I don't know if this is actually true, but he says that nobody else has ever kicked out of the rock bottom. And that's what uh-huh. gives it meaning that odd like that's that shows how badly Austin wants this title, how important this match is, and how important that moment is to have him kick out of that um rock bottom. Whereas now it's like, you know, like if someone kicks out of the uh, an attitude adjustment from Cena, like it means nothing because it happens three times on every pay per view. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, and the so crowd goes nuts too. By the oh, way, yeah. the crowd goes totally nuts when he kicks out of that rock bottom. Oh yeah. So um, so what does um, a sort of neck breaker and then goes to tap the knee with a chair and then the head and he gets two. Uh, while that's happening, referee Tim White comes in and checks on Mike Kyoto and then sees the cover like, oh shit, I've got to do the job. Slides in and um, and he comes in and can't get, does, becomes the referee. Um, this is always saying, make up your mind, is it no DQ or not? Because when it comes to the replay of Kyoto getting creamed with his chair, Lawler's going, it shouldn't be the Stratified and Jay's going, it's no DQ, what are you on about? Mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of thing. Um, so, but we get like a a bit of west out here to get chin lock by the rock. Um, Austin does get out of it, but uh, what does a small drop for two? Um, what does it take that well? So he's like to what bottom Tim White. Uh, so we got a second rep up in the night. And one thing I love about it is that I know it's bitching about Lana saying Austin should be disqualified. But as soon as the rock does anything, does that to uh, Tim White, it's going, it's no DQ, no DQ, it's fine, it's fine. <laughs> so I find that I... quite funny. Yeah, I mean that that I I like that from a heel commentator, and that's yeah. one of the things that that's the thing about Lawler. I think that really, like Lawler, when when there was a clear babyface heel division on the commentary team, yeah, I think that's when Jr. and King are at their best. Yeah, and now Lawler's like, and now like, there's just not like with first of all, there's always three people on commentary. I think yeah. except on NXT, which is like absolutely maddening. No, um, NXT in the minute has three as well. Oh. D- See, uh, this is what... <laughs> yeah. no, well, I'm, I'm not watching any. So. I'm, I'm, I need to catch up with NFC. I'm thinking about three weeks behind. Um, yeah. But at the minute, it's got Tom Phillips, uh, Percy Watson, and Nigel McGuinness, who did the. Uh, oh, that's right, because Nigel McGuinness. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, right. he, he, you know, you probably know more from Ring of Honor, but I know from something in the UK tournament. Sure. Well, I mean, I, I, funny story. I actually know Nigel McGuinness because uh, oh, right. we worked on, we worked on shows together. Yeah. Because he was one of Les Thatcher's guys. Um. Back in his indie days, he yeah. he trained at Heartland Wrestling Association, which is weird for a Brit. He didn't train in England. He trained in the United States. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, we used to get booked on shows together in, like, Indiana and Detroit 
um, pretty frequently. And he was always a super nice dude. I like Nigel McGuinness a lot. I'm glad yeah. that um, he's landed where he has. Um, yeah. You said this gimmick where he had a, he carried an iron like a clothes iron, you know, like you yeah. used to iron your shirts. He yeah. carried it and he had a, painted a Union Jack on it. And uh, his like catchphrase was "Kiss the flag, you slag," and he would hit people <laughs> with the iron. <laughs> and it never made good. sense to me. I was just like, "What's with the iron?" And he was like, "I don't know." It's just, it was weird. Um, and then didn't he do – he did like a rugby thug gimmick in TNA, didn't he? Like um, D- Desmond Nigel, Wolf or something I think I is what they called it. I don't know uh, Nigel that well as a wrestler. So, um, good. He's I'm good. Not- you, should, you should check out some of his older stuff. Yeah. Um, some of his like uh, – his, his earlier ROH or like if you can find any of his like regional indie stuff um, yeah, from sure the he US. He's, he's good. He's, he's always been good. Yeah. Uh, I've seen pictures of him and I think there's a – Pictures with him, like the spiky hair. Yeah, yeah. Spiky blonde hair. Spiky hair to he's like all slipped back. He's wearing like these really nice suits and all this stuff. Like, how do you get from that to that? But um, yeah, so yeah, uh, with them, SmackDown has four, which is weird. Um, yeah, that's. Do you use uh, Tom uh, Collins like a, like the host kind of thing? And you've got yeah, Renato and David Tonga, and Tonga does nothing. He just <laughs> just says nothing to me. JBL is terrible. Otunga's terrible. Like there, Mauro Ronaldo is the only one. He could call that show by himself, and it would be better. Much, yeah. Um, um, we've watched pretty much just Corey Graves. I don't know guys there like on that three. So yeah. Uh, so, anyways, that's that was just my side rant about like it's, yeah, so, so like good. I like having this having the babyface heel thing where King and the sort of classic um, you know Bobby the Brain or Jesse Ventura mold is like oh no it's totally okay when the you know remember it's no DQ yeah. when. <laughs> Uh, I think that's that's a good moment for me. Yeah, I think um, I know Bobby DeBrain did use that as well when he was commentating with Guru Monsoon. Um, but one of my favorite Bobby Hinn was um, when it was Piper versus Brett at WrestleMania 8. And mm-hmm. um, they're both faces, so kind of Hinn's kind of fit for them between the two a bit. And, um, and then when Brett wins, he goes, I told you Brett was going to win. I'm like, you didn't say that. <laughs> you said no so anyway, um, back to this match. Um, we got our third referee now. So referee Earl Hetner comes in and starts doing the referee. Get counts to two. And while Austin goes to get a chair, uh, this man comes down um, and he um, kind of distracts. He kind of distracts Austin a bit because like poisoning him, going, you know, what the fuck are you doing here, kind of thing. Uh, then he gives Watt a chance to do a low blow, uh, which I think was in front of the ref, so that was okay. Well, it doesn't matter anyway, but it, was it doesn't matter anyway. Yeah, but it gets more heat if the ref's back is turned. Yeah, sure. Um, so Vince then decided to hit the referee in the face, so he's gone. Um, and then Vince and Watt stop <laughs> on Austin in the corner. Um, this is when Mank it's so convoluted this match. Um, yeah. it is uh, so Mankind managed to come back from the hospital, he comes down and punches Vince out the ring, and then he becomes a referee. Um, Austin then was a walk for two and then hit the Lou Fred in the elbow. Um, Wok hits a clothesline, does a second Wok button, and then he goes for the corporate elbow, but he misses. Um, and then Austin um, stuns him. Yeah, basically just pops right up and stuns him. Yeah, and, uh, I think I think um, Wok goes for another Wok bottom. Oh, he goes for another rock bottom. And he's trash talking. Yeah, to then, Austin, and he yeah, gets elbowed then, twice in the head, uh, kicked to the gut, stunner. Yeah, and. Yeah, I like to put uh, that. I love the way the walk takes a stunner. It looks like it goes like the other side of the ring. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's like uh, it's almost like if, it's almost like how you would envision Kurt Hennig would take a stunner. Yeah. I don't know if Kurt Hennig ever took a stunner. I, but, no, I know he's back in WWE for a very short time. Yeah, he was, but I, I think it might have been when Austin was either after Austin was done or when he was like out for being with an in, with a neck injury yeah, or something. I don't I think know. So. Exactly. I think it's when he kind of left because I remember Perfect made his turn to Royal Rumble 2002. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I can't remember what, what Austin was doing then. Um, so yeah, um, Austin gets the stone to get the win. We cut to Vince, who looks like you, he's five years old. You just told him Santa <laughs> doesn't exist. He just does a really sad face. Yeah, yeah, he does this amazing sad face. It's great. Yeah, um, Austin you now does his usual celebrate with beers. Through the referee, with the referee Earl Hebner, which I was a weird, and B, um, being someone who plays the sport, we get head injuries. We get told you're not supposed to drink alcohol, the head injury. And he had, <laughs> so he, right. he, he had one. I don't know, I find it weird, the ref, because mankind just disappears. Probably straight away. But he gives Austin the bell yeah. and then he just disappears. Yep. Um, as he goes, Austin goes to leave, Vince starts like, like sl- you know, bitching at him. Austin like, beats Vince up, gives him a stunner. And yep. the, the final shot you see is Austin on top of Vince holding the... Um, Holding the title, holding the title, which I think is a great visual. Yeah, absolutely, and I and I think so. I think that this match is. Uh, oh, sorry. First of all, I'm going to back up just a little bit and yeah. say that the the second rock bottom is again a great example of how to avoid killing a finisher. Yeah. Um, he doesn't go for a pin. Then he goes for the elbow, which like at some point people decided that the people's elbow was going to be like a legitimate finishing move. And I, I hate that. Like that's like, that's what, that's what that move is perfect for. It's the hubris of the rock that he was going to, instead of covering him after that rock bottom, he goes for this stupid elbow that he does. And of course, Austin has had enough time to get back together by the time that happens that he just gets up and doesn't, and rock misses the elbow. Yeah. So that that's a perfect opportunity to not make the finish look weak and to use that elbow the way it should be used instead of as a legit finish because it's so dumb that that's a legit finish. Um, and uh, you know, I think this match though on the on the whole is sort of an attempt to catch the same the WrestleMania 14 lightning in a bottle again. Yeah. Um, which I get. It's it goes good to have a baby face as the um, in pursuit and WrestleMania is a great time as we've seen time and time and time again. Yeah. WrestleMania, you know, is a great time for the pursuing baby face to finally reach up and and cut, you know grab the brass ring and all that good stuff. Yeah. Um, and while I think this match is better than Sean Austin um, because Sean's back was really fucked up at that point. Um, yeah. You know, and all that. Like, I think this match is probably better than that match. It's also probably the weakest of the trilogy that you're going to be talking about yeah. um, on this series. Um, and I think largely because it's just, it's really an example of that 90. Well, like you said, they spent half, you said a third. I still think it's about half. They spent yeah. half the match outside the ring. Um, and they did that a lot during the, as you also said, they did that a lot during the Attitude Era during this time. They were just they'd have these matches that just meandered all over the place. And once in a while, that's fine. But the style got really tired in the in the late nineties, yeah. um, to the point where it was just not. It was like it was it it got played out. And and in a, in a vacuum, this match is pretty good. 
Um, but that it does suffer because of that, just because in any match, like, unless it's a serious knockdown, drag out, blood everywhere, you know, ECW style hardcore match, I just don't know that that really um, works super well. Uh, but, yeah. but that being said, they do tell a really compelling story. They're really good about um, the, the pacing of the match and their their storytelling and the story they want to tell gets told. And there's an amazing moment that I forgot to mention earlier where they're brawling on the outside. Yeah. And Austin um, tosses Rock into um, like the, the steady cam, the big crane sort of steady cam that they use to sweep over the crowd and stuff. Yeah. And there's this like garbled attempt at a clothesline and they both just kind of fall down in a heap. But immediately after that, Austin gets up and he looks like he's going to do something to rock. And then he just very nonchalantly steps on his dick. Yeah. Like, and like it's just this amazing moment where like he kind of looks around at the crowd and then just like, not the thing where you grab both of their feet and like stomp on, like he just sort of looks around and like steps on his dick and it's yeah. hilarious and it's an amazing moment and the crowd loves it and I loved it. Yeah. Um, but overall, I think the match is pretty good, but not, I don't know. Like you said, uh, we talked about it a little earlier. This is kind of a weak WrestleMania. Yeah. Um, and this is a good, this is definitely the best match on that show. Oh, like, yeah. For sure. Um, like I, I messaged you the other day and I don't know if you sort of detected like the fear in my voice, but I was yeah. like, are we talking about the whole show or just the main event? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. So people uh, you know, the format of this, what we're on about. So yeah. Right. Yeah. I think, I think the, the myth I remember most of WrestleMania 15 is obviously Triple H doing his, his heel turn. You had the ball for all tournament. Um, well, that's amazing. That's amazing too, but not for the not because it's like a great match. It's no. just amazing because, like, what a terrible, what a horrible miscalculation from Jump Street. That whole thing was like from the very first moment of the brawl for all, which we're we're coming up on that uh, over on what a maneuver. Yeah, like we just did. Um, we just did Great American Bash '98, so we're like in the summer of '98, which is yeah. when that or the brawl for all tournament happens. That thing was so fucked from Jump Street. Like, I can't, still can't believe that they did that. I hated it at the time. I hate it now. And the fact that Butterbean just destroys Bart Gunn yeah. in, like, whatever, 15 seconds is just the perfect encapsulation of that whole fucking dumb Brawl for All idea. Yeah, yeah I think so. It is going to be very... wasn't great. And also, you had... Probably the worst Hell of a Cell match ever, which will take a side to murder people. Well, so, do you count the Kennel from Hell match as a Hell in a Cell match? I'm not entirely <laughs> sure, but isn't that a, isn't that a steel cage inside the Hell in a Cell? Yes, yes, it's yeah, a steel I'm cage not, inside I'm a Hell in a Cell. Seen that. I mean, I want to do it at some point because I want to do. Cause obviously, that's probably the worst idea for my friend who had in WWE, and WCW a year later he did the um, Judy Backlund and Apollo match. Yeah, so, Judy Bag- oh, yeah, fork. It turned out to be a forklift, but yeah, Judy yeah, Bagwell yeah. on a pole was yeah. terrible. Yeah, Pinata on a pole was terrible. Yeah, and probably a bit racist. Uh, so yeah, just a bit. <laughs> yeah, so I want to do to though, but but the main one to do Judy Bagwell on a pole because it involves Pulsary Canyon, which is probably my favorite gimmick during that era. If you're familiar with it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so that's probably my favorite bit of it. Um. So, uh, let's briefly talk about this year's WrestleMania. Is there anything about the whole WrestleMania weekend you're trying to look forward to seeing? Any matches or... Um, man, I just... 
I have to actually look at the card to answer that question, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, because... with, with me, it's just, it's like, I, I, I feel like they had done such a good job, um, you know, so far um, in the last few years, building towards WrestleMania in a lot of ways, and 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 even if the show doesn't deliver, and th- there has been a thing that I've been saying for the past, you know, like 2015, and to a lesser extent 2016, where I felt like WWE now was very much reflective of like 1998, 97 WCW, where like the weekly shows are like not that good. Yeah. But the pay-per-views usually deliver, like, at least a couple of just, like, fantastic matches. Yeah. But I feel like the quality's been sliding, which is totally bizarre, because they have such a fantastic roster. Like, there's no reason... Yeah, I think it's probably the best that, that Yeah, that the things should be as, as, as bad as they are. Um, but the last few paper... Like, I didn't even watch the last pay-per-view... And I basically was told after the fact that, like, yeah, you probably didn't need to because it was pretty bad. So looking at, like, I just, like, Neville versus Austin Aries is, like, a thing that I think is going to be good. Yeah, Um, I'm I'm looking forward to that one. I'm looking forward to Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho. And Owens, yeah, Owens versus Jericho. And other than that, really, like, no, I don't really, I think that the thing on, the Bray Wyatt thing, they, they, they fucked that up. They pulled the trigger way too late yeah. on Bray Wyatt's title reign. I could give a shit about babyface Randy Orton. No, um, I, I just don't get his. I don't get his whole plan of join the Wyatt family, win tag team with Wyatt family, win the Royal Rumble. Hope to God Bray Wyatt wins the WWE Championship. Have pretty much called infighting, and then reveal his master plan and by burning down his house. Yeah, I'm also, like, I, I hate that stuff, too. Like, the yeah. time that Randy Orton attacked Triple H and Stephanie in their house. And, yeah. like, for the most part, I hate that kind of stuff. Because it's just so... Like, he burned down his fucking house. Like, this is not a wrestling angle anymore. <laughs> this is, like, arson. Like, yeah. you know, it's... And he's a good guy in this. <laughs> right, yeah, and he's the baby face. Like, yeah. and that makes it even worse. Like, I just, I hate it. Um yeah. To be fair though, I, did, I don't know why when he does his, um, you know, he does his, his pose while the while the house is burning. I don't know why that's remembered. right. <laughs> that well, because it's funny. That's why. Yeah. But it wasn't supposed to be. Yeah. You know, it's funny because it's uh, stupid. Right. I mean, the thing is, on paper, Bailey versus Charlotte versus Sasha should be good. Should be really good, actually. But be, since yeah. all of the all of the booking lately seems to be in service of making Charlotte. The you know the the Ric Flair not even the Ric Flair because Ric Flair always won on a dirty finish or yeah. got disqualified. It's like in service of making Charlotte Flair the Hulk Hogan of the WWE Women's Division, where she shrugs off every possible attack and then hits one natural selection and wins. Um, I just feel like it's going to end up being that, except now she's beating two of the other top women in the division. Yeah. Um, the only way that this works for me is if. If we go to a point where Asuka comes in and she just absolutely tears Charlotte apart, yeah, that's what then I'm I can kind of see doing all this to build up Charlotte. But it has been a continuous build. Like that Hell in a Cell match that was the main event of that pay-per-view yeah. should have been just, you know, amazing. And it's like it's just okay. Yeah. And 
The reason it's just okay is because it's all about Charlotte takes everything that Sasha dishes out and then beats her clean, no problem. And it's just like ridiculous, you know? Yeah, I think with that one, I think the way because the way it started, if you because in every other match except for that one, the cell's already down. So they go and then the cell starts to come up. That's when Charlotte starts like right, like stick attacks Bailey, uh, Sasha, beats the crap out of that. So I'm thinking to myself, why, okay, Shadi's going to win because that against the odds. But, you know, Charlotte wins. And you're like, uh, what? So, yeah, I think with war pay-per-views, it seems to be some of the booking behind it is bugging me. So, because, like, in, when Bailey faced Charlotte Flair in the last pay-per-view, um, I, don't, I, don't, I know you haven't seen it, pretty much, Bailey in the interview pretty much goes, oh, why, uh, Charlotte should have, like, um, her henchman Dana Brooke there, she shouldn't, you know, keep it back. And Charlotte does that, so Charlotte and Diana come out in the entrance. Charlotte goes to Dana, fuck off. <laughs> and has the match. Um, and then Shatter Black comes down and interferes for Bailey. Like, Bailey's the good, Bailey used, up until then, used to be the most, it's the most baby-faced character the company has. And you're making her act like everyone else now. And right, and you and you and that makes her look weak, right? Because exactly, she needed yeah. Sasha to save her. Like it's just it's. Yeah, I didn't need saving. And we're talking about WrestleMania. Um, the other thing is like the Intercontinental title is not. There's no match currently scheduled. Now, I mean, we're still a few weeks away from WrestleMania, yeah. so this obviously could change because we're two weeks out. But um, or you know, fifteen days out or whatever. Yeah. But um. The Intercontinental title is not... There's no IC title match. And I should also add, Dean Ambrose is legit, like, for me at least, one of the five best yeah. workers, period, like, working today. Like, I would say, um, you know, he, he... Well, I just did my ballot for uh, the Wrestling Blog 100 for Tom yeah. Holzerman's site. And uh, I put I had Miz at number one and Ambrose at number two. Yeah. And for the last two years, I had Ambrose at number one. So, you know, like the fact that he's not booked in a match by now is really distressing because he's so good and he like it the, and the, this thing where they they put the they took the belt off of Owens to put it on Goldberg who's yeah. obviously going to lose to Brock Lesnar and the last time they had a match at WrestleMania was 13 years ago and it was a dumpster fire. Uh, you know, and I was just a guest on another podcast on uh, wrestling with the dog talking about that match, like maybe a month and a half or two months ago. And having rewatched that match, like it, it's just as bad as you remember. Like I hadn't rewatched it since probably it happened. And like, no, it's like, it's real bad. And, and, and I liked the thing they did at survivor series. Um, I really did. I really honestly, with the possible exception that it could damage Brock's um, heat, which in a, it turns out it really didn't no, because of the not. way they booked Brock, and because that they kept they kept Goldberg around, yeah. that helped, right? Because yeah. the big concern was, well, he came in once, he just plowed through this dude, and he doesn't have to show up tomorrow, yeah. and Brock has to keep working. But um, it's obvious that Goldberg isn't going to stick around much longer. I, I don't think. I feel like no. they're they've. They've said that he was only contracted for three matches, and this would be the third. Yeah. So, you know, I think Lesnar's going to beat him. It's probably not going to be very good because if it has to be longer than a minute and a half or whatever, it's not going to be good. Goldberg can't do that. He just do- he doesn't do that. Yeah. Um, 
and that that's at the top of the card. In fact, will very possibly be the main event unless they like. I think that it seems. I don't know what the rumor mill is saying right now, but it seems just as likely as anything that Undertaker Reigns goes on last. Yeah. Um. You know, and I just I don't know, man. I it looks. I mean, I'm gonna watch it because I always watch WrestleMania. Yeah. But it, I I'm not hopeful. <laughs> no, I'm not either. I'm I'm more looking for. Well, I feel really bad because I think we got the big four. We got the Warrior One, but you want to say series. I look forward to that, but I'm looking forward to the NFC takeover more. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I would love to see I don't know, I, I like I'm just looking over this card and Yeah, there's eleven matches I get, announced in WrestleMania. Yeah, there's eleven matches announced already, and like we said, there's no intercontinental title match announced, yeah. which I'm sure I mean I'm sure there will be, but what yeah. that's gonna look like, who knows? Um, you know, the thing is always set seven hours long. And I'm not even exaggerating when I say that. Like, I wish that wasn't, that wish that was an exaggeration, but it, it's literally for the past couple of years, been seven hours long. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, you got two hour pre-show. Last two hour year, pre-show. Last night, right. went on for five hours. You know, like, and I've got, and obviously you don't have to do it, but I've got to review that. <laughs> it's like, and that's why I think, I think the problem with going on my blog is that I watch it, but I don't, I write it on pieces of paper. So right. then I type it up, I'm just trying to rule myself to type it all up and all that stuff. So yeah, so that's why but, my pay per view is like two weeks after it finishes. Right. Um, I'm really hoping that they give Neville and Aries time. Yeah. And again, I'm I'm biased because I I know Austin Aries. Um, yeah. So he is. Yeah. Well, so when I met him, he was living in Minnesota. Actually, he was yeah. doing a lot of work in in, in Minnesota. Um, he was traveling a lot with um, not. Not Arya, but Sean Devari, yeah. the older, the older Devari. Yeah. Um, and um, I wrestled on a ton of shows with him. Um, you know, he, he's a really good dude. He's an, he's a phenomenal worker. He, um, and and so I I'm biased, of course, but I also think Neville is fantastic. Yeah. And I think that the thing that I don't like about it is that they've got Aries working babyface now, and I just, he's so much better as a heel. Yeah, I mean, I think with Austin Aries, I just find it weird that, to me, you can't you can't coach some of the greatest man's ever lived and be babyface. Right, yeah, exactly. You, you can't stand there and say, yeah, you're the champion, you're no doubt the king of the cruiserweights, you're on the A level, Yeah. but I'm on the a double level and, yeah. and say things like that. And, and right. It just doesn't work that well as a, and, and to have, I think if the shoe is on and a part of it's cause it's an injury. Yeah. And I think a lot of times when you come back from an injury, it's hard to come back from an injury as a heel. Yeah. There are ways you can do it though. Um, but I think babyface Neville chasing heel Aries would ultimately be more interesting, but yeah. I'm still, I still think that if they give them time, that match will be totally fantastic. Yes. Um, I, I, know, I know you don't watch the last pay-per-view, but again, chance. They tried to see Neville versus Jack Gallagher. That was a really good that, match. That that was the match people told me that I should go back and watch. Yeah. And I haven't I haven't done it yet, but people said, yeah, you should you should check yeah. out uh, Neville versus Jack Gallagher. Um, the other thing that I would say about the WrestleMania card is that I think that Cena and Nikki versus Miz and Maurice has potential. The problem in that match is Maurice. Yes, yeah, definitely. Um. I think the stuff between Cena and Miz will be great because I think both of those guys 
are great. Like I said, yeah. I put Miz at number one on my on my wrestling blog 100 yeah. ballot this year. Miz is so underrated. He gets so much shit from people, especially the more um, smarky, if you if you yeah. will, if pardon my use of the term, uh, you know, parts of, of the wrestling fandom. Miz is amazing. His title yeah. run, I loved. His stuff with the IC title, I loved. His stuff with Damian Sandow, I loved. Basically, ever since Miz and Morrison, he's been gold. Like, yeah. just consistently putting out amazing matches, working his ass off. Yeah. And uh, Cena is also another one who... I used to hate John Cena just as much as everybody else. And I feel like some people never came down from that. Like he got pushed too far, too hard in my opinion. Uh, and Batista, they both got pushed too far, too hard. And they were both on separate rosters at the time. And that was like, you could see that was the way they were going and everything. But, um, Cena has obviously taken a great, uh, amount of care in, 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 uh, developing his craft. And he's legit. One of the all time greats at this point. Uh, and I've said this on my own podcast and on other people's podcasts, and I'm saying it on your podcast. John Cena is legit one of the one of the all time greats overall in professional wrestling history, and and him and Miz will be dynamite. And even Nikki, who's worked really hard to get her wrestling ability up, the the, the big question mark in that match is Maurice because she's really not a wrestler. Yeah. And if they work around her, it could still be good. Yeah. Uh, at, you know, but it could it, it it could train wreck the whole fucking thing. Honestly, yeah, I'm, I'm quite interested in that match. I just find it weird John Cena being in a mid tag match. Well, he doesn't need. I mean, what is, does he need another title? Man? No, I, I, don't, he... I, don't, I don't. I don't. I'm not saying that. It's just I'm so used to him being in single matches and all that stuff. So I think it's I think it's great. It's just it's, I don't know. It just seems weird because he's a champion like six weeks ago. And yeah, he's in yeah. That. And yeah. That thing you find weird, and also with. With Dennis Takeover, you've got um, Asuka vs. Emma Moon, which I'm quite looking forward to. Because um, the minute, only, there's only five matches anyway, but the minute three being announced. One thing I'm really looking forward to is Tag Team Triple Threat Elimination. So you've got all of the players of the champions, and they're facing the Revival, which is my favourite tag team at the minute, and yeah. um, DIY. So I'm really looking forward to that one. I thought that would be a really good match. Um, oh, all the players of the, of the week is up those three teams for. Do a buy or DIY will find some way to make to work around that and make it really good match. Um, yeah, I well, I mean, I think um, you know, honestly, uh, I think that the um, <clears throat> the the authors of pain are are pretty good, honestly, at what they do. Now, what they do is basically just like squish people. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, they squish them into tiny squishy balls and that's, uh, but that's like, there's something to be said for that style. Yeah. Um, and I think, the, I mean, that was the whole the Legion of doom made their whole career on just squishing people, <laughs> you know? Um, and so I'm fine with the authors of pain. I think that mentioned, but, but you're right. The revival. And here's the thing. This is my thing about this. The revival is so overdue to go to the main roster. Yeah, they need, they need to go there. You know, especially when we're talking about like I again, this is a thing, my personal opinion. I don't think that Gallows and Anderson are bad, yeah. but I don't think they're as good as everybody else seems to think they are. Like they're fine. Yeah. Um I think that if you added the revival to the the triple threat tag match at Mania, you would have another potential classic. I think Enzo and Cass are great. Um, yeah. you know, and um, you know, obviously, um, 
is all I would say. I think, you no, know... I, I love Shazam to death. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the... the uh, I mean, I th- well, I thought I think Cesaro needs to kind of strike out on it. Like, I think Cesaro is maybe better suited at a singles competition, but I yeah. think that the Cesaro Sheamus stuff has been pretty good, even though I'm not a huge fan of Sheamus. Um, yeah. And I think that's decent, but again, I just think like Gallows and Anderson, mostly Gallows, like, eh, they're fine, like yeah. whatever. Um, but you know, I think this match will be good. And I mean, again, like you said, there's only three announced matches right now yeah. for Takeover, but all of them look good and i think the question mark for me sort of going back to what i was just saying is like are they going to put ember moon over asuka and bring asuka to the main roster the day after wrestlemania i think um, they should uh, i think they probably should too yeah because i think i think we build that i know we've had nikki cross kind of wanting the championship and all that stuff and not being biased because scottish i love i love um nikki cross um but I think I think I think the one to is probably Ember Moon will probably win, and then probably build Ember versus Nikki. Cause they're I mean, the, when they had the draft last year, a lot of NXT guys, women left. So I was worried for the division because it seemed to be Asuka and everyone else like four miles behind. But they seemed to be slowly building everyone else up. But then Ember Moon came in, then Nikki Cross came in. So and then I think Ember and Nikki are the two best outside of Asuka. Yeah. I think yeah, and I think they could have a, a, a feud that's like fantastic, yeah. right? Um, but we need to get Oscar, and I think if you bring, like I said, if you bring Oscar to the main roster, yeah, I think they're going to put Charlotte over at WrestleMania, as I said, which, which is just like, ugh. yeah. But I think if they do that, and then Oscar shows up on Raw, 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 yeah, um, and just pummels the hell out of Charlotte the night after WrestleMania, you have the potential of, you can spark a feud that if you want to, you can probably carry to SummerSlam and just have like an amazing series of matches if you book it right. But again, the way they've been booking Charlotte has left kind of a bitter taste in my mouth. Um, As far as Rude versus Nakamura, Nakamura's another one where I feel like he should have been to the main roster already. Like it's weird that Nakamura is not on the main roster. Yeah, I think think it's more like when they're going to do it, not if. Well, yeah, I mean, sure, sure, but... Um, it's just weird with with Balor and Joe, you know, already there. Yeah. To have Nakamura still in NXT, it's it's just weird. Yeah. Um, and I think that this is a good chance for Rude to get to really. Um, I don't think they'll bring Rude up quite yet. I think they no. could, uh, no. but I don't think they will. I think they'll I think they'll use this opportunity to entrench Rude as the champion. Yeah. Um, have him beat Nakamura. Nakamura can show up on Raw on Monday, and Rude can continue to dominate NXT for the next, you know, however long um, as champion. Yeah. yeah, I think. I mean, I've been a big, well, even though I didn't like the way the booked it, sometimes I've been a big fan of Rude since he became TNA champion. Um, I hated the first two months there because just the way the bottom was stupid. Uh, but I've always been a big fan of Rude. Um, perhaps best team team ever and um <laughs> well right yeah uh, but i think the only thing against me is he's only you know, i think he turns 40 this year so i know age doesn't really be much of a factor but i'm not sure how long he'll be in WWE if he goes up to the main roster so that, that's my only big no. no i mean that's fair i guess but to say though aj Styles is like two years younger and he's he's like he's, i guess he's doing for another four or five years so yeah yeah. Um, so, so, Joe, where can we find it? Internet? Internet? Uh, you can find me. Well, so I guess I'll start with Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at shake underscore well. 
if you're so inclined. Um, not a ton of wrestling thoughts there. Um, mostly video games, music, movies, politics, stuff there. But um, if you want my wrestling thoughts, that's uh, on that's on the, the Twitter account for my podcast, my wrestling podcast, which is What a Maneuver. And on Twitter, it's at what underscore a underscore maneuver. Um, if you want to just, uh, see the stuff that I'm up to generally, um, on the stick.com is probably a good place. Videos, podcasts, all that stuff. And we stream every Wednesday night, uh, at nine 30 PM Eastern time. We do a live stream, uh, myself, my friend, Eric, Mike, Kurt, friends of ours. We all just uh, hang out, stream and talk about mostly video games. So you can check all that stuff out. That's the best place to find me. But uh, y- your your road to that, if you're on Twitter, is probably at shake underscore well. I post yeah. links to all that stuff. So, um, as for me, um, obviously the podcast is on logonwesson.wordpress.com. Um, the blog where do pay reviews will be is at logonwesson.blogspot.com. And you can follow me at logonwesson all on Twitter. So, uh, Joe, thank you once again. Oh, thanks for having me, man. Appreciate yeah. it. And uh, join us next time for the second part of the Walk Austin series, where we discuss the WrestleMania 10 match. So until then, thank you very much, and goodbye.